This is A Fresh Agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here's your host, Christina Mendonza. Hi, Christina Mendonza here. Glad you are here with me in this little spot in the digital universe, at least for a little while, for the next half hour or so. Uh, Appreciate you stopping by. It has been a busy summer, and I hope it's been a relaxing summer. I have actually found some time to get away to the Oregon coast, do some hiking, doing some relaxing and thinking and strategizing. So that's been great. But it's been a busy summer uh, with clients and with our new morning show, the KFK morning news. Sam, Shane, and I are having an absolute blast. Uh, we, uh, it really is like the best part of my day. It's so much fun. And we are digging into some really interesting topics. We're getting some nice feedback. We have some uh, television commercials about to hit the air and we're having a lot of fun. So I, I hope you find some time to stop by and check us out again. If you're in the Sacramento area, that would be 93.1 FM or 1530 AM or if you're anywhere else in the country, you can uh, find us on the iHeartRadio app. Just look for KFBK. So I've been thinking a lot about this book that I'm reading called Flow. And uh, the author, uh, I'll pronounce his name, it's Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. That's his name. I mean, it looks unpronounceable when you see it written out. I had to look up how to pronounce it, actually. So Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. But all you have to remember is that the book is called Flow. And it's fantastic in that it talks about, uh, especially in the beginning of the book that I've been through so far, it talks about happiness and what qualifies you as happy, what makes you happy. And basically, it comes down to this sentence. People who learn to control inner experience will be able to determine the quality of their lives, which is as close as any of us can come to truly being happy. I'm going to read that sentence again. People who learn to control inner experience will be able to determine the quality of their lives, which is as close to any of as any of us can come to being happy. So the book, at least in the beginning, is about reframing, reframing situations in your own life and the fact that it is indeed a skill to be able to do that. And one of the great, uh, greatest metaphors I've seen of this is, you know, a photographer, when they're trying to get that shot, especially like in the moment, they can't stop and change lenses. They have to move somewhere different in order to get the right angle to get that shot and get the best shot. And that's that applies to this sentence and to life. If you're looking at a situation that's difficult or, or trying or challenging or, or seemingly uh, tragic, you have to move your inner experience to a different position and look at it from a different angle and try to take it on from that angle. So anyway, fascinating book, and I'm sure I'll get much more into it. It's called Flow. And again, uh, the the name of the author is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And this whole attitude of reframing and and controlling your inner uh, perspective really uh, goes very well. It's an easy segue to the guest today. So my guest is Blake the Beast McKernan, and I'm going to tell you more about him because he's a fascinating guy. He's a boxer. He's a local boxer. In fact, he's got a big bout coming up on August 3rd. Uh, He's had uh, like 12 knockouts or six knockouts and 12 wins. So he's quite successful. And he has an interesting way that he has reframed many situations in his own life. And he really 
credits that for his success. So before I tell you about him, I want to tell you about Dave and Fred from New Age Aerial because you know what? They're reframing things all the time because they are master uh, drone flyers, master drone pilots. New Age Aerial is the business and they have the FAA licenses and expertise to help engineers on the ground get the shots they need of structures and equipment so they can fix things like our bridges, roads, dams, or anything else. So uh, Dave gets the drone shots that helps the engineers. In fact, right now he said he's up in Portland at some big event uh, with people who control and work on dams all over the country. And he's talking about how drone uh, technology, getting up there and getting the pictures can really help them. So they can work on the macro scale to help the federal government or state governments with those kinds of big projects. But they also can help real estate agencies, land developers, movie directors. You tell them what you need from the air and they can get it. And I love that Dave and his team love doing this. Sometimes he'll just send me some great shot randomly and say, hey, look what I got to do today. So this is a joy for him to do. So reach out to Dave and his team at newageaerial.com. Use the phrase Fresh Agenda, the name of this podcast, and Dave will take great care of you. All right, on to uh, my guest today, who is a fantastic guy, Blake McKernan, uh, Blake the Beast McKernan. I met him at a movie premiere very recently, and he is actually moving into the movies. Uh, he's had a couple of small roles. He's got a bigger role that's coming up. He's an inspirational guy, and I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Here's Blake McKernan. Blake the Beast McKernan joins me now, and I know you've got this upcoming fight, so you're probably really busy about now training and getting ready. I am, yeah. You know, my day consistently starts going at 5 o'clock in the morning, and it goes until about 9.30 at night. So doing a lot of training, you know, finalizing and finishing up the last uh, week before the fight, and, uh, you know, I feel great. Let's talk about how you came up and how you got into fighting. Um, what uh, what was your first exposure to boxing, and why did it click for you? So for me, you know, I always grew up at a very early age, um, you know, not really knowing how to fit in with people. You know, I grew up extremely poor and never really had my parents around. And, you know, I used to always get sent home and suspended a lot from school because I was always fighting because I used to get picked on all the time, and nobody understood the reality of the things that I was going through at home. So when I was 10 years old, I know you're a little bit older than me, and I grew up uh, stealing free cable off of what we used to call the black box. Right. Is what we used to always get free premium channels on. And I remember 10 years old, very first time I saw Mike Tyson fight, I was instantly hooked. Ever since then, I would go around telling everybody, I'm going to be the next heavyweight mm. world champion. Everybody doubted me, laughed at me. You know, my own mother told me to pick more of a realistic expectation, but now here we are 20 years later, and I've turned my dream into a reality. What was it about that <coughs> fight with Mike Tyson? Was it his power? Was it the skill? Was it, um, was it uh, you know, all of, all of the things that come with boxing, uh, you know, the trappings per se? So what was it about that fight with Mike Tyson that you saw that said, I want to do that? Well, I was always drawn to sports. You know, everybody in my family was always into sports, playing soccer, basketball, whatnot. But when it came to boxing, you know, this was a sport like going to the Mike Tyson fight that I saw. I believe he was fighting Evander Holyfield for the first time. And, uh, you know, I was just seeing these two guys in the ring to where no matter what, Anybody did in or outside of the ring. It didn't matter if your camp wasn't having a good day or your team 
wasn't, you know, participating, you know, doing what they should have. It was all about who had the most heart, will, and determination to win that fight. It was all about inner strength. And when I seen Mike Tyson fight, his ferociousness and just his heart and his drive to just not want to hit somebody and hurt them, but it was more so getting out his frustrations and show this world what he was capable of doing all by himself. And, you know, I was just instantly hooked, and I fell in love with the sport right away. You know, a lot of people want to, you know, maybe be a boxer, maybe they want to be an astronaut, maybe they want to be, you know, but there's there's getting from point A to point B and C and D and beyond. So what was your first opportunity to try to make that dream reality? What was your first steps? So my very first steps when I was 10 years old, again, right after seeing that fight after being suspended uh, so frequently in elementary school, um, I don't think that my mom necessarily wanted to deal with me. Like I said, she was in the right state of mind. So she ended up dropping me off at uh, my b- very first boxing gym in Roseville called Navarone's Kickboxing. Very first boxing gym I ever started to go to. As soon as I walked through the door... It just had this smell. It was kind of like a musty, sweaty smell that, that certain gyms have. And it's like a smell and a taste I'll never forget. And it's like walking in there, seeing all these guys on fight posters lining the walls. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I said, I can't wait for that to be me. And now it is me. Wow. Did you worry? I mean, it seems silly to ask you this now because you've taken a lot of punches, but does it? did it ever worry you in the beginning getting hurt? Did you ever feel like, you know, okay, this is, I could really get hurt? I mean, we've, we've had just in the past couple of weeks, a couple of boxers die. Exactly. You know, so in the back of my mind, I think every fighter always knows that the opportunity is there to be hurt, but you don't necessarily ever think it's going to happen to you. You know, just recently we had a guy pass away that I knew, Uh, I believe he was signed to top-ranked promotions, Mad Max. Um, You know, and he was just fighting, you know, last Friday, defending his world title. And, um, you know, right after the fight, ended up um, having some brain trauma and just passed away earlier this week. You know, so my my heart and my uh, prayers go out to him and his family. But, you know, it's a very tough way to make a living. Not a lot of people understand or realize being a professional or competitive athlete, you're putting your body physically and mentally through so many different levels of stress that most people don't even understand. But being a fighter is completely different because you could potentially die inside of the ring. You don't really hear about guys dying playing basketball or baseball. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it's very unlikely. Combative sports is very likely. But, um, you know, every single time that I climb in the ring, being somebody that was prior military, you know, I swore an oath years ago to defend and fight for this country no matter what. And I have that same mindset when I enter in the ring. And uh, my main focus is just to get out of the ring as clean as possible to make it back home to my son at night. Right. You know, when I look at um, uh, fighters as they age, too, you you said it's not an easy way to make a living. I I can't imagine it's a, a way to make a living long term. I mean, what, although you look at someone like Uriah Faber, who just got back into, you know, (laughs) fighting at 40, I mean, I mean, and I know you're in your thirties. So where, where does, how far can you go with fighting? How long can you go? I think everything just comes down to how you feel. Age is nothing but a number in a sense. You know, I understand as you get older, your body might move a little bit slower than what it would be when you were younger, but you know, it's all about how you feel. And in fighting, 
you know, we have guys like Bernard Hopkins, Evander, or not Evander Holyfield, but uh, George Foreman that came back and won world titles in their early and mid-50s. Right. You know, not saying that everybody is capable of doing that, but one thing I always tell people coming from a sports and a kinesiology background is everything that you do early on in life, you pay for later on in life. So the better that you take care of yourself. Amen to that. Amen. Right? It's so true. So the better that you take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually now, it's only going to benefit you later down the road. So, you know, I just turned 32 years old recently. Figure I got a good five or six years of fighting left. So within that time. I'll reevaluate, you know, when I'm about 37, see how my body feels. And if I feel that I can still compete at that elite level with these top guys at that point, I'm going to do it. Right. We just had Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That that's has, right. has oh, uh, 70 <laughs> professional fights. He just came back to fight Keith Thurman and won another world title. And he's, what, 40 or 41 years old. Yeah. You know, so anything it is is possible and it's all about again your mindset too you know your mindset is the biggest key component when it comes to anything in life and in fighting is 80% mental and 20% physical right you know it's interesting <coughs> how you you put that i mean i i have i have like this like a tiny bit of experience with this and that i i took krav maga for 6 years okay and so as i was testing up the levels for krav maga one of the, one of the most satisfying things i found about it was that when you're fighting someone everything else disappears yep it's you get tunnel vision such like intense focus and you weren't thinking about the project you had to do, the story that was on deadline. You weren't thinking about anything but what was right in front of you and that fist coming at you. Exactly. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was just such a, I don't know, it was like a, a beautiful sense of flow. And it felt great. I mean, is that, that must be addictive to feel that. Or how do you feel now when you <coughs> enter the ring? So for me, it's like when I go into the gym... I think the hardest part of my career and in life is all the, the stuff that you have to deal with outside of the ring, outside of the gym. For me personally, when I walk into the gym, I escape reality. I escape everything that I'm going through in life, and I'm just focused on working out. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that matters. But when I climb in the ring... I don't know what a lot of drugs would feel like if you did them because I've never been somebody that's been like that. I've always been a healthy guy. But when I walk into the ring, I just feel so high on life. I can't even explain the feeling. It feels so good. You know, my last fight fought in front of 11,000 people at a sold-out Stockton arena and uh, fought in front of millions of people on ESPN. That right there was the highlight of my career thus far. And, uh, you know, even though you have so much mixed emotions going on that you're feeling at that moment, you know that you have one job to do. That job is to climb in the ring, get the job done, and leave victorious and get home safe to your family. Right. That's the most important. So let's go back to your timeline. So you, you, you've gone into the gym, you, you, you smell it, you taste it, you see it. You're like, this is my tribe, this is my home, this is where I want to be. So how, how do you find a mentor? How do, you, how do you reach out? Who starts training you? Give me a little <clears throat> of your path from there. So my path when I was a kid, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, I grew up without really having my parents present. You know, unfortunately for my mom, she had become a victim of over-the-counter pain medication and substance abuse. My dad, somebody I only saw a few days a month. And um, during that time, I really had to learn at a very early age how to take care of myself and defend for myself. You know, I had 
three older siblings. I was the younger or the youngest of four kids, but they were all off doing their own thing, and I had to learn how to do a lot on my own. So because of that, I knew that at a very early age, because I didn't have my parents present, I needed somebody to guide me in the right direction. Um, you know, just like anybody, when you have too much time on your hands, most of the time it might be reflected in the wrong places or the wrong way. Um, so throughout my whole life, I've always surrounded myself around an older group of men that had life experiences that could teach me about life. Um, you know, and throughout my early childhood until I had joined the military, I was making a lot of mistakes. You know, I was running the streets, um, doing some things that I wasn't too happy or proud of. But I look back on it now and I'm glad that I had to go through all the things that I did because of the person that I've become today. I feel like a lot of us should never be mad about our past unless we're not happy about the present. Everything that I've gone through throughout my life has created the person, the man that I am today. And every single day that I wake up and I'm happy at the reflection that I get in the mirror, I'm happy that I had to go through all those trials and tribulations and obstacles that I had to go through in life. But um, I think what really changed me for the better uh, when I was 18 years old, my dad got sentenced uh, to a consecutive life sentence in prison. During that time, I really started to feel down on myself. You know, all my teachers, people that I grew up with that knew me, always told me that I would never amount to anything good and I was going to be dead or in prison by the time I was an adult. When I was 18 years old, I had dropped out of high school. My dad was now in prison. I felt like I was at a complete loss of words and had no idea what direction I was going with in my life. Um, so during that time, I kind of had fell off for about a year and a half working a regular job. 20 years old, I said, you know what? My life, I've always wanted to serve in the military. So I ended up going into the recruiting office here in Sacramento. It was actually in Fair Oaks. Went in and spoke to a recruiter. They got me my GED within a week. And within three weeks, I was off to basic training. And joining the military was really the the type of change that I needed for my life in a lot of ways. You know, it changed my whole dynamic of where my life was going. If I wouldn't have joined the military, I can almost guarantee you that I would be dead or in prison right now wow. because of the direction that I was heading. I probably wouldn't even have my son. And my son, you know, anybody that's a parent, being a parent and being a father, it literally is the greatest job in the world. No matter how many, you know, trials and tribulations that it comes with. You know, I have days now. When you watch your kids grow up and they go through these different spurts of growing into their own personality, you, you want to choke them out sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had two daughters. I get that. Right? Yeah, okay. But, um, you know, being a father has been the greatest job and the greatest feeling in the world for me. Being somebody that never had my dad around, I had no idea what I was doing when I became a father, when I became a parent. But mm -hmm. I just look back at when I was a kid, all the things that I wanted from my parents that I never got. I make sure to give all those things to my son. I wake up every single morning before I even get out of bed. The very first thing I tell my son in the morning and before I go to bed is that I love him because I want my son to know no, no question, no doubt that I'm always going to be here for him no matter what. But um, getting back on the topic, you know, joining the military really changed my whole perspective and dynamic on my life. Served three and a half years in the Army and the infantry. Spent one year overseas in Iraq. And uh, when I was getting out, it was either 
left with the option of staying in the military, which I didn't want to do. Got offered a, a bunch of government jobs and to even work for the Secret Service in Washington. Declined those offers, and I said, you know what, now's my time, now that I have the mental fortitude and the right focus, it's time for me to pursue my dream. I've always thought about boxing. That's always been the main thing I've thought about all throughout my life. You ever seen how sometimes in life, no matter how much you might want to give up on certain things or feel like things aren't meant to be, they always have a, a way of finding you. Yes. They always I, have absolutely. a way of calling you back. So what was, what, how did it find you again? What happened to you as you were considering and, and was there, was there a sign? Was there a person? Was there something that showed up in your life? So, you know, being a kid at a very early age, I grew up being around a bunch of professional athletes my whole life. You know, the power of social media that we live in today, even though I was away in the reality of things that were going on here, where I was at in Iraq or wherever I was at around the country and the world, I was following my friends on social media and seeing what they were doing in their lives and their careers, pursuing boxing. Every time I seen the videos, I had like... A feeling inside of me that was like a burning sensation, like I cannot wait to get out and to do this. You know, I tried to pursue boxing in the Army. You know, I was trying to fight on the Army boxing team, unfortunately, um, because of my job. I was sent to a rapid deploying unit that was deploying right away, so I didn't get my opportunity. But I just always knew that boxing was my calling. You know, I didn't even realize until I got older, my great-grandfather was a professional boxer and middleweight from Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. Name was Wild Bill McDowell. He still, till today, holds one of the boxing records of having some of the most professional fights in boxing history. He had 278 professional fights. Wow. It's a lot of fights. Yeah. It's a lot. And back then, you know, the rules, the gloves, and everything were yeah. different. You know, unfortunately, he died at a very early age. I'm not going to say that had anything to do with <laughs> boxing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, boxing's always been that one thing that no matter where I was at in life, it always had a way of finding me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so after getting out of the military, turning down those government jobs, I used my benefits, came back here to get an education uh, in kinesiology and started uh, pursuing boxing again right away, fighting as an amateur. Wow. That's fantastic. So, so who would you say has been your biggest mentor when it comes to uh, your profession <coughs> And your professional life. So when I was very young, I was introduced to this church. I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. It's called Abundant Life Fellowship. And they had an outreach there that was called Lord's Gym Fellowship. Lord, I know the Lord's Gym very Lord's well. Gym, yeah. Some of the guys that were street guys like myself, mm -hmm. they turned their lives around, found Christ and found God and just started to live for a greater purpose. You know, uh, there were guys there that or youth pastors to me that still till today I have a close relationship with. And if I did not cross paths with those guys, like, I, again, I have no idea where I'd be in life. You know, I'm a, a firm believer that everybody in life crosses paths at certain divine purpose and divine purpose or moments in life for a greater good. And, you know, being able to cross paths with these guys, they gave me a lot of knowledge and insight. They didn't just tell me 
certain things, they would check up on me. They would give me an understanding of telling me, like, hey, if you were to make this decision, this is going to be the consequences. They were the men that told me, if you're ever man enough to make a decision, you got to be man enough to live with the consequences. You know, and I just remember always seeing them. I would go to that gym and work out. They actually used to have a boxing program there that was ran by a guy that was a lightweight, former lightweight world champion, Richard Bam Bam Duran. And, um, you know, for all these guys listening, Terry Joaquin, Emmanuel, you know, Pastor Bird, these guys all have such a positive influence in my life. And, um, you know, I just still have a lot of memories of looking back at that gym. It's interesting. I think it was Bill Gates who said that, you know, it, it's it's easy to kind of see your path looking back and kind of connect the dots between place to place. I mean, as you look back over your life so far, I mean, it, you seem very clear on where the pivot points were in your life that led you to where you are now. Absolutely. You know, I look back and I've I've overcome a lot of obstacles and adversity, you know, from running the streets to sacrificing my life overseas to even coming back here and having people trying to kill me here after I came back from my deployment, you know, and then just going through a lot of, you know, obstacles and overcoming adversity that I did and the greatest thing that I've taken from everything that I've gone through in life is because I always had a fin for myself, I've always been able to turn every negative into a positive. I always knew that every experience in life or every, every you know piece of obstacle or adversity that I had to go through was a way to either teach me about myself or about people in mm-hmm. general. And it was a way to allow me to become a better person from it. And, you know, with the the good is always going to come bad. We have to appreciate the bad days. That way we can appreciate the good days when they come around more often, you know. But, you know, I look back and I'm very happy that I had to go through everything that I, I went through because it's created the person that I am today. And I want to change it for the world. You know, people always look at me and they're they're kind of dumbfounded that I was able to turn my life around. I've run into elementary school teachers that recognize me people I went to junior high and high school with they're like Blake they can't believe that my whole life I've talked about pursuing boxing being a heavy uh, uh, elite heavyweight world champion and now as it sits I'm 12 and 0 about to be 13 and 0 ranked 14th in the nation and you know sky's the limit we're going to keep on going all the way to the top until I fully turn this dream all the way into a, real- a reality and become an undisputed cruiserweight world champion all right. Great. And I want to talk about the fight. But before I do, I do want to kind of look ahead into your future and talk about your life outside boxing. You have some exciting opportunities, things that are coming up that you're going to be doing here shortly. Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the more uh, business opportunities you're pursuing outside boxing now. So outside of boxing, you know, I've been able to, you know, cross paths with a lot of phenomenal people. You know, I've been able to cross paths, you know, just recently last year, I I went to the ESPYs, walked the red carpet, met a lot of other celebrities, professional athletes, actors, uh, directors. You know, I've been doing red carpets like the Oscars, uh, the Emmys, stuff like that. So aligning myself at these events has allowed me to cross paths with certain people and um, it's all about being at, you know, at certain times, right place at the right moment, you know, and 
So crossing paths with these people and with some of the sponsors that I've had, you know, I've been able to do some TV commercials. Um, I'm getting, I've already shot one little minor film with Robert Parham. Um, I had a small little part in the film. I'm getting ready to shoot another movie, not to release too many details, but it should be with Lionsgate Films in Hollywood. Very nice. Uh, You know, towards the end of this year, upcoming of 2020. You know, so, you know, maybe we'll get into fitness modeling, GQ, Sports (laughs) Illustrated. You never know. The greatest thing that I've learned being in this entertainment industry or being a professional athlete is you can never limit yourself to just one thing. You oh, know. you got to be everything. You oh, gotta, you have to be. You have to be these You days. have to be. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I have a, a personality to where if I don't know how to do something, I just go with the flow, you know, and I, I, I adapt to my environment. But I'm open to whatever comes my way. I can't even tell you what I want to do because sometimes we don't even know what the future holds and something will just be brought in front of us and we're like, OK, we'll take advantage of the opportunity. Right. So I, I'm looking forward to whatever ends up coming my way that God puts in front of me, and I'm just going to jump at it. I ask all of my guests this question. Um, When you feel like you have to recharge, let's say maybe it's after a fight or, you know, you feel like you you need to think and you need to, um, to be creative about something, maybe it's an issue or problem you're trying to solve, what do you do to keep yourself creative? Creative or calm? <laughs> I, I would say creative. Like, I, you know, you need to think about something. You you have a decision to make. Um, how do you recharge from all that you're doing? So I know this may sound a little crazy or funny, but, you know, most people always have an outlet. They have somebody to talk to or they go to counseling or therapy. For me, my outlet has always been in the gym. You know, even though that is my career, that's my where I go to escape. You know, I go in there sometimes and it feels great to just work out, to decompress, let out my frustrations and to think. Um, but, you know, if I'm not in the gym, you know, uh, I am a man of God, you know, so I go to church as often as I can. You know, I spend time with my son and, um, you know, I just think right now, with where everybody's at in life, we're so overwhelmed with reality TV and social media that I try to take a break from that stuff as much as possible, even though it may be very hard, and just focus on the things that are important. You know, the the one-on-one time that I get with my son or with the, the few family members that I do have, I'm a very family-oriented person, so, you know, whatever I can escape and, you know, people can take time away from their own lives to kind of be able to get back together, you know, those are the things that I like to do. That recharges your batteries. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this upcoming fight. What can we expect besides a big win? I I mean, what what are you prepping for, and do you prep for each fight differently? So, yeah, we absolutely do prep for each fight differently. You can't go in and fight every opponent the same, you know. Each opponent brings a different dynamic to the ring, so we have to be able to um, be ready for anything. So for this fight, you know, I'm headlining. You know, I think this is my fourth show that I'll be the headliner and main event at. It's at the Stockton Civic Memorial Auditorium, Saturday, August 3rd with Toscana Promotions. And, um, you know, we're getting ready to fight a guy that's from Mexico. I believe he used to be signed to Golden Boy. He's 11-4-3. His name is German Perez. But, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, take 
my my opponent lightly or underestimate him, but we're going in there. We have a job to do. One thing I know is you can't stop God's plan. You can't stop destiny. This is my destiny. It's a part of my journey. We're going to go in there. We'll go 13-0, and I'll be able to put on a phenomenal show for all my fans coming from Sacramento, people watching on TV or on Internet, and all the, the, the people of Stockton. Excellent. Is there anything I haven't asked you you'd want to say? Not that I can think of. We've covered a lot. We have covered a lot. You know, the number one thing I I like to tell people, Christina, is I'm a very motivational person. And people have told me that throughout my journey. It's been very inspiring to be able to have them witness and see a lot of the things that I've overcome. What I always want to tell people is if you ever have a dream and a vision to want to pursue a greater life or to do something, no matter who is with you or who against you, When you believe in yourself wholeheartedly and know that failure is not an option, we can achieve anything that we put our minds to. So for anybody listening, you know, I would tell them, you know, if you ever have anything that you want to do, one thing that we will never do in life is when we get older, we won't look back and be mad about the things that we did. We'll be mad about the things we didn't do. So don't be one of those people that you live with regret. You always wanted to pursue something, but now you get to a certain age in life that maybe it might have, you might have missed the boat in in a sense. If you ever want to do anything bad enough, Pursue your dream. I'm not telling you that it's going to be easy. It's going to come with some ups and downs and some hardships. But I promise people that if they truly believe in themselves and what they're doing, they can do anything that they put their mind to. Fantastic. That's that's a great way to end this. Tell us where people can reach out to you. Where can they find you? Where can they see you? So if people want to find me, they can uh, look me up, Blake McKernan. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. My Instagram is Blake the Beast. And, uh, you know, I can I continue to look forward to all the amazing people that I meet. This is one way that we've met. And, uh, you know, I just love all the relationships that I've been able to meet and have with people. You know, far past when my career is over, the relationships that I build with people along the way are still going to be there and be the thing that I'll remember the most. So anybody that's listening, if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm very vocal in responding to all my uh, fans that follow me on social media, so I look forward to meeting you. Excellent. Blake the Beast McCartan, thank you so much for being well, my guest. I appreciate you guys appreciate having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Blake the Beast McKernan. And again, his big bout comes up August 3rd. Uh, it's going to be great. He's going to be taking on German Perez. He is the headliner. It's happening at the Memorial Auditorium in Stockton. And it was funny, as I was walking him out, he was getting ready to go meet his coach to get one of his workouts in. And I said, what are you doing today? Like, what do you? And he says, I don't know. He says, every day, I the coach calls me and says, meet me here or meet me there. And that's where I go to do the workout. And he said, man, and sometimes like when he says, meet me at the sand dunes, I just dread it. (laughs) He's like, I hate him and I love him at the same time. And I was like, you know what? That is so nice to hear that someone else like thinks of going to the gym or going to work out and just sighs and says, okay, I just got to get it done. Um, And that it's not just a complete joy all the time for him either. So, and he is of course in fantastic, fantastic shape as you would have to be uh, to be in the uh, in the ring for all those rounds. Anyhow, uh, so he's a great guy. I'm glad you are here for that. Upcoming, we have.
have, uh, we're going to be talking to Jenny Blake. I've got an interview booked with her, and I'm really excited to chat again with her. She was the uh, Google career strategist for many years, uh, helped people in Google move up in their careers there. Um, I also am talking to a new guy. Uh, his name is Matt Ricks, and I recently only got to know him, and we've only met online, so I'm really interested to interview him. He does persuasive communication through comedy. So uh, he's going to talk a lot about how comedians control a room and how you can use persuasive conversation in your own life, in your own career uh, to help you. So uh, again, really excited for that interview as well. Um, upcoming events, I'm doing the um, ball gowns and boots or boots and ball gowns for the Women's Veteran Alliance and super excited about that. And I've also got something coming up with the Los Rios Community College District and the Centers for International Trade, a big global go conference where we'll talk about global entrepreneurship. So that's another one upcoming. And then Kate White, who was a podcast guest right here on A Fresh Agenda. She is the former editor and chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine. She has written 13 books. She is amazing. I love her. And she is coming to the region. She will be at the Harris Center. And I have posted information about that. Uh, this is uh, something that's going to be sponsored sponsored by uh, the Harris Center and the Greater Folsom Partnership and KFBK, and I will get to moderate that. It's going to be a fabulous half day for women, and uh, definitely look for that. It's coming up in November. So thanks again for being here. Appreciate your time. This has been A Fresh Agenda. We'll talk to you next time. Let's stay connected. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda. Fresh agenda.